Welcome back to the Social Impact Level Up podcast. This is where we blur the lines between business, nonprofit, and impact. I'm your host, Wendy V, and I'm a social impact strategist here to help you build a successful and sustainable legacy of social change. In this week's episode, we're going to hear from a social entrepreneur who has been on a journey to change the world just like you. If you are interested in social entrepreneurship, this is the place for you. Let's jump right into this week's episode. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of the Social Impact Level Up podcast. I am here with my friend, Dr. Sharita Humphrey, and we are going to talk about all the um, intricacies of her journey as a social entrepreneur, which when I first learned about, I I guess, her mirror journey of my journey, (laughs) I was on Facebook and she responded to something I wrote in a group. And I was like, who is this lady? And then we started talking and I was like, who is this lady? This lady needs to be my friend. <laughs> so <laughs> we have gone about making a friendship through um, the ThinCon community. So it's our financial content creators community, but also just on other platforms. We follow each other around. We stay in each other's ecosphere because we're both genuinely cool people and we see eye to eye on a whole bunch of things. So when I reached out to Sharita and said, hey, I need you to come on the podcast, of course, she was like, I'm down. So I want to introduce you to my friend, Dr. Sharita Humphrey. She's a certified financial educator, but she also supports people in their journey to explore entrepreneurship, which includes some very, very high level version of entrepreneurship that we're going to talk about today. So I want to toss it to you, Sharita, to just introduce yourself and um, say a little bit about, you know, how you became an entrepreneur. So, um, you know, just thank you for that introduction. I am, and thank you for being a great friend. Shout out to the FinCon community. Thank you. Continue to support not letting nerds like ourselves. But yeah, I never, entrepreneurship was definitely not on my goal sheet or dream 100 list. I thought I was going to retire from the government, um, come back, double dip, and, you know, just live the golden life that I had um, dreamed about. But um, you know, just even getting to the government was definitely a big goal for me. Um, as I've shared with my platform and many who have followed me, I didn't come from money. I didn't come from wealth. We didn't have money conversations around the table. Um, and I think that it was a gift and a curse in many, in many ways as I went on, along in my journey to become an adult. Um, because a part of my, that lack of financial um, literacy foundation really came into a negative um, downturn because I eventually became homeless um, with two children. And I've shared that um, very publicly because I want people to know that just because you didn't um, grow up talking about money does not mean that you can't um, get on a path to wealth. And so for me, after I hit financial rock bottom, it was important for me to change um, the financial trajectory of my life, but um, of my bloodline. So I, I I remember my mom just telling me that I've always been a rebel. I was always going to do my own thing. And I just said, you know what? No, I'm a trailblazer. And so for me, that's why I tell people, I said, in my family, I'm the financial trailblazer. I am the first one in my, in my family to create um, a path to wealth that is not, that's not attached to a job, which is very untraditional. 
um, especially in my family. My mom had me very late in life. And so she's a lot older um, generation. And so for her being coming from the baby boomers, you, you work until you retire and then you enjoy a little bit of life that's left. And then you um, ultimately leave this great thing we call life. And so for me, that just didn't sit well with me. I'm like, I'm young. I can't imagine working until I'm 65. And for those who do, you know, that, uh, you know, shout out to you. We need all um, people to do great work. But I just knew for me that as a rebel, as my mom says, as a young adult, that I wanted to create something different for my children and I. Um, but I know I had to be able to get something stable to be able to do that. And I decided I, I wanted to work for the government because it was one of the most stable things that I had seen in my lifetime. And so I was able to do that. I became a government, I became a government auditor. I was, I've always had a knack for numbers, even though we didn't talk about money. Um, I was always just helping my mom, just try to figure out what, how to pay the bills or how to limit the pink slips or the pink notifications that kept coming through our house for the phone calls. And so just being able to kind of use that later became a great, great skill for my, for me to be able to become a government auditor and analyst. Um, and I thought that was it for me. I was dead set on, I got my bucket list out. I was going to retire <laughs> and do what my family said that I was supposed to do because I wanted to fall in line. But that, you know, that trailblazer in me was just kind of like, this can't be it. I saw too many um, women and veterans and BIPOC communities, especially for those who are small businesses, just struggle so much because of the, they didn't realize that um, money management is very important in personal finances, but it's critical when it comes to business. And I remember my very last couple, I saw them struggle and give up a business that they invested over $500,000 into and they lost it, mere pennies on the dollar, just time issues. And so with that, uh, I just decided that I didn't want to see another family lose it all because I understood what rock bottom felt like. And I turned in my two-week notice. And, and of course, they were just kind of like, you're so young. Are you sure this is what you want to do? Trailblazer. So I wasn't scared of getting financial rock bottom. I had already lost everything that I owned. Um, and I came back. And from there, you know, the, you know, my supervisor was just kind of like, you're so young. So I had to stay on extra four weeks. So my two weeks notice stayed into four weeks. I was six weeks later. I was still there. Um, because she just wanted to give me time to just process and just make sure I wasn't in my emotions that I wasn't. I knew right then at that very moment that I was at my destiny and that I was going to do something that was different from my family. And I did. I left there and I created um, my own business out of a need, not only for me to be able to do, follow my dreams, but a need of people, seeing people um, and women that look like me need a outlet to be able to build a more sustainable lives for themselves. And so I decided to marry personal finance, business finance, and that is how I built my community of what I now call finance blade. Yeah, and I love that story because there's so much that resonates with me in there, the overcoming personal adversities, but also, you know, deciding to step away from the golden handcuffs because the being in a government job can be very secure for people. They can oh, very secure. <laughs> yeah, they very can sit secure. there for 20 years and be comfortable not leveling totally. up themselves at all. <laughs> no, you can. It, I mean, it's a step, you know, but I want people to know, like, it was like, it was not easy because, of course, I worked in, a go in the sector of the government where we got paid once a month 
at the, at the top of the money. Things are exciting. You get all of your money up front. But if you are not financially disciplined, those 30 days or 31 days can feel like a year. So it was always funny to people. They're like, so I said, I get 12 paychecks a year. Um, and so they were just kind of like, what? That just seems unheard of. But I just knew for me, still working for the government, that they taught me the best skill set to be a great entrepreneur, not just from a compliance and tax standpoint, but just how to be able to manage money. I had started to learn how to really become great at managing my money and becoming budgeting, but I became a budget boss because when you only have 12 paychecks a year, <laughs> you're either going to figure it out or you're going to just kind of just live paycheck to paycheck. And that just, that was not the the goal that I had for myself. I hadn't, I didn't want to create another life where I was just doing the, the same things that I was doing before that let me homeless. So I started throwing, um, paying our bills one month in advance, three months in advance, three months in advance. People were like, well, I said, I remember the day that I got, that I was sitting in my government position and I had paid all of my bills quarterly. And I remember telling my coworkers, colleagues, and they were like, why, how? And so I was just like, the government's teaching us everything that we need to do. So it's just implementing the things that we're doing as public servants in our own home. So that way we can continue to be able to create some type of financial security for ourselves. Um, and not to say that the, the government is, um, you know, you know, foolproof that you won't, there won't be cut, but the odds of it is, is, is very slim to your more corporate setting. Um, and so for me, I just wanted to give myself that band. It was important to me, indeed, to not have to just pay, wait for next month to pay this month's bill and, and get something back. And so I remember hearing something, money thrown forward is an investment. Money thrown backwards is debt. And so I just decided I was going to throw as much money forward as I can because then I didn't have to worry about, I, I knew for there, I finally got off of America's system of living a living on the financial hamster wheel of living paycheck to paycheck that I literally had my own financial trampoline. So I had one month to jump ahead, one, two months to jump ahead. And so I was really start to make, I was really start to make, you know, those hurdles became very easy to kind of leap over because I had a trampoline to do it. And so that's how I started to really look at my finances um, from benchmarks and milestones. I love gym, I, watch, I like watching gymnastics and track. And so I said, how do I turn those and how do I implement that same agility and dedication to my finances? So I said, you know what? As long as I can use and have this trampoline kind of cheat the system of being able to jump over that hurdle, then I can be able to get to the next thing. And before I knew it, I left my government position with one debt. I knocked out all of my debt um, before I left. I had 12 months of um, reserves for the business. Um, and I know that sounds crazy to a lot of people. And they were just like, because I said, entrepreneurship is crazy. You go into your job every day, it's crazy. Because we never know what we're going to show up to. We never expected so many people to lose jobs. And so for me, I just always wanted to make sure that when I woke up, that I was thinking about breakfast and working out and not thinking about my bills or money or creating or chasing that. I never wanted that for myself as an entrepreneur. I wanted to do good work and serve because I came from a service industry. When you work for the government, you are a public servant. So I said, I wanted to continue to serve, serve and serve people. Because then when I asked for their business, 
I've already built a no like and trust factor with them. So they knew that my area of entrepreneurship came from a service-based type of thing. And they knew that I wanted us to win together. And that is how I built the business. And I just shared my story. And I tell any entre- social entrepreneur who's listening to this and even listening to this years down the road, that a service type of approach to entrepreneurship is the one that leads to the most wealthiest opportunities, financial, social, but important impact. And so I have learned that. And so now I attract the people who want to do business because I am serving them through storytelling and just sharing my own journey of how I've been able to do it. I love that because I've been talking a lot about the power of storytelling and using your lived experience. And I think that for a lot of people of color who go through particular situations on top of, you know, the, the normal societal barriers that we face, you know, we've got like layers and layers of things that we're carrying with us, historical trauma, generational trauma, money trauma, you know, all these different things. And it's sometimes difficult to say, yeah, I'm going to step out on my own and do my own thing. But a lot of people also say, oh, well, why do people care about my story? Or why do people want to hear about my story? I don't think it's going to matter to other people. It's not going to make a difference. But exactly what you're saying, you can use your story to make a difference. (laughs) Do you want to talk more about your opinion about that? Yes. And so what are your things if people were like, well, I don't have a story. We all do. Every day you're writing your story as an entrepreneur. Every single day you're writing your story. So I don't. I, I just knew that looking at everything, I didn't come from money. So I always just figured out, I was just like, I don't want to just see the end result. Show me the behind the scenes. Let me know the frustrations that you're going through. Because those are real and authentic. And those are the things that land with people. Because guess what? We all want to cheer and to see the triumph. But we love to be able to root the underdog on their journey to greatness. So you may be feeling like imposter syndrome, feeling like an underdog. But guess what? There's millions of people that are like you who are going to be attracted to your story, who need to be able to hear and and know that you don't have it all together. I don't have it all together. I am a work in process. I am tightening up my processes as a government, as a entrepreneur. I am tightening up my processes because through personal development by pouring into myself. So just sharing some of the small things that you're doing to be that entrepreneur, to keep showing up, because it's easy to show up to a job because you know there's a paycheck at a Monday or Friday or a Thursday, but it's hard to keep showing up to a, a loan that may not be paying you every week, every day, or every month. So you still have to do it because you love it. And then know that once you're being, you're putting out the most authentic story that the service or product that you're providing is just an added benefit. So because guess what? We buy into people. We love and we like people like um, Obama, Barack Obama. We like people like Ellen because we got to really just see their journey. So think about you. Somebody's watching your journey. And you're inspiring them to be like, whether they're sitting in their cubicle door, they're sitting in their car running a door dash, or they're in their corner office in a C-level suite position. They could be looking at you and being admired that you stepped out 
and was bold enough not only to leave security of a nine to five, but you're bold enough to say, I don't have all of it figured out, but I'm going to do it anyway. You can inspire the CEO all the way down to your frontliners just by telling your story and letting them know that it's not all or nothing. And I tell people who are my clients or even people who are in my Facebook group and my following, you don't have to leave your nine to five to follow your passion. You don't have to become a, a part of quick culture. You can still love your job and create a great business. And sometimes, as I always tell people, there's no amount of determination or will get up and go is it knowing that you've made your job your silent partner. And at the end of the day, when you get ready to walk away, you don't have to pay them anything. They don't own equity in the company. And then you retain the one thing, and that's ownership. But they've been able to pour into you because you did a transaction and a skill set and a gift that you had, and you've been able to use what I like to call OPM, other people's money, to be able to start, grow, and scale your business. Yeah, and I think in my journey, when I was starting to think about having a business, one of the things that stopped me was because I was a government worker and at the federal level, you know, everything has to be right. approved. And, you know, they wanted to make sure that I wasn't going to use my IP from the, the government to go and do something to get a contract. And it was really interesting because I had to go through extra hoops to be able to get my wellness business approved. It had nothing to do with what I'm doing now. But now that I'm not in the government anymore, I'm like, oh, you mean my IP that I gave you for years? Yes, I am going to go market that and use that in my business. Right. <laughs> it actually is my IP that you were using. <laughs> you were borrowing right. it in exchange for these golden handcuffs that you had me convinced I needed to wear. And I needed to show up here every day the way you wanted me to show up, not in my authentic self. But now that I'm a business owner, oh, no, sweetie, <laughs> we are on a completely different vibe. Not <laughs> yesterday's price is not today's price. Uh-uh, honey. <laughs> now you're about to pay my contract price for me to give you back that IP I loaned you. <laughs> right. Because I know you can, you know, and I, I, I say that because a lot of people are like, they don't under, you know, if you've never worked on that side of the government, it is hoops to have a, a side hustle or a business. You jump through hoops and you almost feel like, you know, it's not even worth it. To go through all of that, but you said something that, oh my gosh, it's such a, you know, it was so, I'm going to write this down after this podcast, but you said, you know what, you were using my IP, but guess what? You just said something that's going to empower so many people who are going to listen to this and listen to this later. Your IP is licensed to your job. When you walk away, you still own it. You still own it. So your life, I think a lot of people that, oh, they, if you, I shifted when I was going, when I knew I was leaving the government, even before then, I had to shift my mindset. And I think that's a very critical key piece because a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait until I give my two weeks notice. But you know what? I never walked, when I knew the day that I told my mom in six months mom I'm leaving, I never, even before then, I knew I had to elevate my mindset to be able to really be able to not look at my job or my government position as a hindrance. It was a part of the process for me to be able to leave without 
financial work. So I showed up different. They're like, you're always happy. I was just like, you know what? Because there's nothing, as an entrepreneur, we'll start to understand that there's nothing like an exit strategy. When you know your exit strategy and you're working towards it, it gives you a different level of confidence because you know that I now, I, I'm confident in my IP that I'm only licensing it to you for a certain period. And that the day that I leave, that a portion of my IP that made my piece great will become greater in my, the things that I can do on my own. And so those are some things. And so that's why I said, a lot of people were like, well, you speak so highly. I'm surprised that you left your government. I was like, the best thing that I did was to secure my government position. It taught me so much. And I found my niche and I found where I needed to show up in the world through that position. And I think a lot of people leave the job just, be, in, you know, just because in their emotion and not really looking at what you can take from them. Because what I did realize is that that same employee handbook that we only flipped through after you got the job and the excitement was gone, it went back into your little drawer, is going to be needed in, as an entrepreneur because we don't want to be solo entrepreneurs forever. We want to be able to create, we want to create jobs. Small businesses create jobs in the community. And so we, I want to be a part of that ecosystem of creating a great place to work. And so those small things that we overlook because it comes with a job, like benefits, if you know, and you're sitting in your cubicle, if you're sitting indoor, you're sitting in your car driving to work, you're in your corner office, and you're thinking like, I can do this, start to utilize the thing because your job has already paid literally financially for the thing that you are going to need as a future entrepreneur or a entrepreneur making a transition. They already have the HR policy. They already have certain things. They have those top level things that as entrepreneurs, we're so focused on social media and marketing and getting out there, but we're not thinking about the foundational thing of what made your job great and one of the reasons why you wanted to work. So when you are, when you go in your, when you go in with that mindset, then you truly become the CEO and then you won't feel so stuck because I was one of those people. This is my baby. I can't let any, I can't step away from this, but a true CEO and visionary knows that you have to work in your zone of genius and hire people in your zone in their zone of excellence. So that way you're you stop wearing 17 hats. Because if you don't, if you don't do that, then guess what? You didn't create another business. You created another job without any help. Yeah. And you just gave yourself all the jobs. Not not one job, but you gave yourself seven, little- 17 <laughs> jobs. Not, not your HR. <laughs> the hours are midnight to midnight every day, seven days right. a week, 365. Right. right. So at least you knew when your time was over or vacation, if you know, came in. Those are things that were added benefit. But we don't think about those things as entrepreneurship. And as we, I didn't have all of this together. We're still figuring those things out. And entrepreneurship is continued education. You need to listen to and re-listen to podcasts like this because there's going to be something that you're going to pick up along the way that you're like, oh, there's that aha moment. I didn't think about that. Here is something else that I didn't think about. And here's something that you can't, you can't 
entrepreneurship is not built alone. It's not. It, I, I know that we're like, we come out there and we're like, I'm going to do this thing. I'm going to show the world. And guess what? I can, that is a surefire way to burn out. Did it. <laughs> but I had to realize that I did not want to create another job, that I was the visionary who was going to create a great place to work. And that meant that I couldn't be the only person working in it. Yeah. You couldn't be a solopreneur forever and expect to create a great place to work because you're going to work yourself out of a great place to work. (laughs) Real quick. That's funny. You said so much truth in there that I want to unpack. Like I was like, man, this episode is so good. And I think that people, um, you know, they're afraid to step out partially because they need to step into all of these things that they're not used to doing. But when you were saying, having that growth mindset, showing up every day to understand the processes that are in place where you are right now gives you the leverage to be able to go out and, you know, improve upon or replicate or whatever you need to do to create your own business. But if you're coming in here with the sad face and like, you know, I'm, I'm not happy in what I'm doing, I'm burnt out already in my seat, then you, you aren't able to take that information in and self-educate in your environment and learn from that experience. And so you're kind of like limiting yourself in a way. <laughs> right. Guilty. <laughs> yeah, no, I experienced it too, but I just wanted to like say it out loud that like right. that was that was a really key message in what you said. It was like, get that growth mindset locked in before you retire in your seat because you have the opportunity to make use of the materials around you and then implement them in a way that you see fit if you don't agree, right? And I think in some pieces of what you said about, you know, your experience in the government also resonated with me of like, there might have been times where I didn't, you know, believe that the way that we were being led was the way that people should be led in a workplace. And, you know, I was definitely vocal about it the whole way through. But now being on the other side of being able to create the culture you want for your business, you have to think about those things and say, well, how do I take those experiences and enact them in the in the way that would get the outcome I was really looking for in that situation versus the outcome that I was fed because I was employed by X, Y, Z. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. And so one of the things is I would um, employ any social entrepreneur is to make sure you understand that the what we've been taught in the government, multiplication. You know, we love the work that we're doing. It's making a great impact. But I said, you know what? I worked for the government. The government is the world's largest purchase. They purchase all goods and services. So why don't I take my IP (laughs) and add another stream of income to the business? So yes, I work with emerging and established entrepreneurs and I, you know, I create products and services, I mean, to be able to help um, continue to educate them. But why can't I take this and do the same thing and sell this service to the government? And that's what I decided to do in 2019. I didn't want to tell anybody because I was just like, you know what, sometimes you have to figure that thing out. And, and I think a lot of times that when we announce too soon, then we start to build in automatic that I got to feel up, I got to feel the need and make sure that I do what I said. And that's okay. But sometimes is you need to make sure you're doing the footwork before making an announcement. 
And so that is why I didn't say anything. I was doing, I was doing this. I decided in 2018. So in 2019, doing my foot work, getting to know, building those relationships. And so that's what, that's what I did. I said, I got a pandemic. I'm in finance. We know that there's ebbs and flows. So I wanted to make sure that I stayed on the trampoline of jumping over the hurdles. And so when people were asking, I kind of felt a little bit embarrassed to say when many of the businesses were closing and we saw, uh, you know, the recent pandemic and what happened to that in the beginning of it, I was already thinking ahead. And any entrepreneur knows that we should always be evolving, always looking at and making sure that our exit strategy and the things that we're doing will continue to allow us to evolve. So that way, what happens to our ecosystem when it comes to our governments and what happens to our economy doesn't have an immediate impact on you. They, because you are already evolving. So you were not pushed into a pivot. And pivot is great, but many people were pushed and they didn't have the financial backing to be able to pivot into that. And so for me, I said, you know what? I'm going to do this. I'm going to sell my IP and everything that I know to the government. I did it. The very first contract that I submitted, I won. And I was going, and so guess what? While a lot of people were sleeping over the, uh, over the last year and over the holidays, I submitted seven contracts in 28, 22 days. And the very first one that I submitted right before the new year, two days before the new year, 24 days later, my company wanted. And so you always have to be thinking about your next, her, your next trampoline. And so I said, you know what? My odds are better making sure that I add another layer financial resource to the business. And that is what we started to do. But as I started to do it, guess what? I started to share our loan. Started to share with my ecosystem. And then I help us. Teach us what you know. How did you do this? So did you see how storytelling, first doing the research, implementing the processes, and then telling the story? And now more people who I don't even know are saying, hey, can you come and speak on the stage? So I've created another stream of income for myself, which I can now continue to be an investor into the business. Because guess what? Ask Dr. Sharita Mosley. I am paid to speak and write. That has nothing to do with education because now I've built a name for myself. Thank you, Oprah Winfrey, for that. Because she said, once you're able to build a name for yourself, you will always be able to fund your dream. And so Wendy is a thought leader in her space. So she could be paid to fund her dream in addition to someone else who had a job. So you can create multiple streams of income just by being you. <laughs> I know. It's not just like, you know, counterintuitive to what we were taught, right? But all of this is about the sustainability of your legacy. And when I was first starting out in um, international development, international social work, one of the things somebody said to me was, well, all of this is so that we can work our way out of a job. Because if we're doing something in a sustainable fashion, it will live on with the systems and pieces that we put in place through its natural life course to make the change it needs to make to where it needs to get to, to get to the outcome, you know, but you don't necessarily have to be there standing over it the whole entire time. And I think that we build things thinking that we're going to be standing over it the whole entire time. 
but the goal is really not to be. <laughs> I, you know, I know this might sound crazy just because of my mom's, you know, like I'm, she always said I was overachiever, but you know, it feels funny. It feels good to say, I don't want to work. <laughs> That's not the goal. The goal is to create impact. Um, and I'm going to, and while I'm doing it, I will create multiple streams of income. But the goal, but I know that my goal has an exit strategy. And I say this on every platform that I'm giving to because I want people to know, because I, I want them to remember the stories that they heard from me. I said, I will put a new CEO in place on December 31st, 2029 at 11.59 p.m. Central Standard Time. And people were like, what? I said, because guess what? I have new hurdles that in new trampolines that I need to jump on and cross. So the only way for me to be able to do that is to grow from within. One of the things is I learned from the government is they believe with hiring from within as much as possible. So that way, this person has been on a journey to be able to take this new seat. So the CEO who now runs my company will be hired from within because they will know all of the processes and the procedures to help take it to the next level. And then I could graciously be like someone who I look up to, Jeff Bezos. I can just be a part of the company and not sit in it. I just want to be a, st- I just want to be a stakeholder in my company, possibly a board member, but I don't want a lot of hours. <laughs> I was just like, <laughs> I, will, I, will raise, I will continue to raise the stakes for the company. But I know that sounds funny. And especially for people who are thinking that there's no way that you can do this. You can. I will become a, a key board member and stakeholder of the company while a new CEO takes this and has continued my vision. We haven't stopped buying from Amazon, but Jeff Bezos has stepped down. So if he can do it, Wendy and I can, and so can you. So if when you have an exit strategy of mine, you never get stuck creating a business that ultimately became a burnt out job. That wasn't the vision that you had. That wasn't the reason to take off the golden handcuffs in the first right. place. It's to just sort of switch them with some other ones you put on yourself. <laughs> we started that with that conversation. <laughs> really? And it's funny because I hear so much truth in what you're saying about, you know, what, what do we really want to spend our time doing, right? We want to enjoy our lives and still feel like we're making an impact, but be able to do it in the time frame that allows us to enjoy our life, right? <laughs> It all comes back to wellness. And so I have a question that I like to ask a lot of our guests about you and how you maintain your balance as a mom, as a wife, as a, you know, content creator slash business owner slash now contractor for (laughs) other people. You know, how do you um, find, you know, balance in your well-being so that you can keep showing up for other people? I have a line item on my calendar that says me. And it's set on a reminder to never end. It doesn't have a date. I also have a two line items or three on my budget that I refuse to remove. And that's what's for me, <laughs> um, my personal training, my health and my therapy. Because 
those things are key to help me to continue to grow and level up as an individual, but they have a direct impact on how I sit in the CEO seat because I don't want to create wealth and I can't enjoy it because my health is not. I don't want to create a great place to work, but I am emotionally and physically, you know, emotionally and mentally burnt out. So that's why I have therapy Thursday on my calendar and me Monday. And as a CEO, I have decided because I heard a CEO before me say that as a CEO, you should have a CEO day on your calendar. So I have blocked out every Friday for the remainder of the year for CEO. And so that means that I'm, I'm trusting my team to be the excellent people that I'm hired to do. And that helps me to continue to loosen the reins of feeling like I have to micromanage. So those are some of the things that allow me to be able to do that. But I understand the importance of what I call, because I don't do all this work alone. I'm an internal team, but I understand the importance of how, what people, how people respond. And so I don't say I have contractors or subcontractors. I have super teams. I build super teams. So the people that are outside of my internal organization are a part of my super team. And I allow them to be in their level of excellence to support our great team so that way we can all do and be paid a value for the work and the impact that we're putting out. And, I, and when I did that and employed and made those investments, those things have elevated me as a person, as a woman, because I'm an introvert by nature. And it's hard for people to believe that because they're just, I said, you know what? My teacher was just told me, my teacher used to say, you're going to, so you think you're going to be paid to talk? I hope she's listening to this episode. Because. Because you have <laughs> been paid to talk. <laughs> Many times. A lot. <laughs> A lot. And I will continue to do that. And because I love storytelling. But you also have to do the things that have nothing to do with your business. And that's making sure that you make time for the people who love you. Friends, family, colleagues, ecosystems, that's important. Because all the money in the world is not going to make you happy. All the influence is not going to make you happy. What's going to make you happy is when you have your level of balance. My balance and Wendy's balance and your balance is going to look different. You could probably go zero to 100. And I said, no. Next year, my team will be paid 12 months on a nine-month work schedule. I said, I've created a great place to work. So they don't have to wonder if they're coming in with how much vacation and they're trying to divvy it out to spend with the people that love it. They know that they have 12 weeks of vacation minimum to be able to do the thing that makes them great. So when they show up to work, I, as their CEO, am getting the best of them because they've had time to rest and to rest with the people that love them. So when you start to think about it in that sense, the work that you're doing is about, is greater than you, 
but it has such amazing impact on who you are and the work that you do. But you have to put you first in everything, life, your business, and your goals, because the people who really support you will understand that you're doing this for you, for them, but you're also most importantly doing it for you. Yeah, I think what you're talking about is such a beautiful example of collective impact in business. People think about it as always having to just be about you and your immediate core. And what you're saying is, no, like, let's leverage the other talents and people around us. And those might be other business owners or other businesses. But if we all collectively elevate, you know, and take care of ourselves first, but also help contribute, you know, our gifts to the collective, we can actually do a lot more, make a bigger impact. So I love that idea. And I think um, when I hear people talk about, you know, their scheduling of their wellness routines, it reminds me I do the same thing as well, where I'm like, no, work out at this time every day. And if I have to move it around, I move it around. But I try to keep that there because that time is locked in for me to take care of myself. And if I don't keep doing that, then I notice that I'm not able to show up and serve other people. <laughs> I, I can't do it. I, I can't, you know, we've had to, we've had to push through. But if you're showing up with more, I'm pushing through day, then you're on a path to burnout. So taking time to let people help you. I think as entrepreneurs, we forget to know the power of for help and being and being vulnerable to say that I need help. Yeah, and I think that you know sometimes people don't even know where they can get help. Right? They feel like they're an island and they have to do it by themselves. So you know, it's great to hear people like you who I, like you know you've, you've been a mentor for me. We've been friends, but I always love to see and hear what you're doing because you're so dynamic. You got a lot going on, but you're super duper good at balancing the different aspects of your business and what you're doing and then your life. And so it's just great to, to always be in your sphere. But the um, one thing I wanted to ask you before we kind of jump to how people can connect with you is if you had one piece of advice to give somebody who's just starting out where you were starting out and in on social entrepreneurship, wanting to help other people, wanting to make an impact and wanting to go out on their own. What would you tell this person? What was the one piece of advice you wish you had? That your story matters. And to combat what many entrepreneurs that are in your sphere is to start getting familiar with your story by seeing it and letting it just resonate. Because imposter syndrome makes you feel like I don't deserve to be here. These opportunities that are coming my way or even the clients that I'm serving, I don't deserve this opportunity or great or greatness. So making sure that you using the power of storytelling for you first will make you more confident to be able to speak about the work that you do and why. Because when you believe it, then outwardly the people who are listening well, also too. So incorporate storytelling. Tell your story to you first. Because if you hear it, you be you'll believe it. And so will others. And I think there's so much power in storytelling to be able to convey the impact that you're making and to get more people to support you. And if you think you don't need the help as a business owner, you need a lot of levels of help. <laughs> you need 
coaching and therapist, like all all of the things that you just mentioned are, you know, things that I think every entrepreneur should invest some time and money and space into. And the coach has a coach. <laughs> yes, every good coach has a coach. If your coach don't have a coach, does that the coach to hire? Right. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it, it's it's really amazing to hear people like you who are some further down their journey say some of these very basic things. But I think the reminder that, you know, your story is powerful and that you can convey you know, something that's going to inspire other people. We can't say that enough. <laughs> I think people just need to hear that over and over and over again so that people feel confident and comfortable stepping out. And I think that the, the confidence is such a huge piece for folks of, you know, not really knowing, particularly if maybe even having family or friends who are not going to be supportive of them stepping out or think that they're going into financial jeopardy or blah, 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 blah. Like you're doing this selfishly. Like so, I've heard so many different things that sometimes people start to take those external forces and put them inside of their brain and use that as motivation not to do something they're passionate about. <laughs> and, that, and you shouldn't do that because you, the whole world is waiting on you to share your gift. There is a sector of people and communities that are waiting for you to say yes to your goals and your dreams. There's so much impact that is created and waiting by you just saying that I trust me, that I I have me. And when you really feel like that, it's like a level of confidence that no one can take from you. Yeah, I agree. And it's and it is a journey to be able to have that confidence for yourself. Nobody's gonna be Automatically, I think there's not very many of us who are automatically born with that confidence. Although, right. So boring. <laughs> it is a journey to get yourself there. I know at least for me it is. Um, but thank you so much for being here. This has been a wonderful chat. I think we went all over the, the topics that I really wanted to cover. So I'm so excited that we got to dig into your experience and your brain and hear from you all the beautiful um, pieces of wisdom that you shared today. And I wanted to give people the opportunity to connect with you. So you mentioned a Facebook group. You mentioned... <laughs> There's yes. all kinds of ways to work with you. So can you do a little plug for your business and tell yes, us if people are interested, it, where can they find you? Of course, again, I'm Dr. Sharita Humphrey. I am, at, uh, I am, you can reach me over my website, www.sharitahumphrey.com. I have a beautiful Facebook group. We got a lot of wins. We jumped off, off the year um, at, um, on Facebook. It's called the Money Mindset Movement, a group of trailblazers who are creating their own path to wealth through entrepreneurship. And I'm, I'm at Sharita MH on all social media platforms. Yes, I, I answer DMs, which a lot of times people are like, is this really you? Yes, I love to connect with people. So my DMs are open. Definitely hit me, um, follow and share. I want to know how I can be able to help you because we're only as big as the people who are in our ecosystem. And I believe that there is a difference between having a network and a strong ecosystem. So I look forward to joining your ecosystems and having you to join mine. Yes. And I can attest to that Sharita's um, DMs are, are really open, <laughs> like legit, that's a legit statement. Because yeah. I am it. one of those it's people who's, who's definitely DMing her. <laughs> so I love it. Thank you so much for your time and your, and your beautiful spirit and just being you because you're amazing, amazing friend and amazing soul. So thank you so much, Dr. Sharita Humphrey, for being here with us today. Thank you. All right, everyone. You. Yeah, thank you. And um, thanks everyone for our, to our, who are, to, thank you everyone who is listening to this podcast episode is what I was trying to say. 
We want to make sure that you have the ability to connect with Dr. Sharita Humphrey. And so all of her information will be in the show notes and you will be able to collect it there and connect to her. All right. Thank you, Sharita. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us for another episode of the Social Impact Level Up podcast. It's been awesome to interview today's guest, and I hope that you leave inspired to take action. If you're looking for any of the information we spoke about, it's probably down in the show notes. Make sure that you're checking them out and you're clicking on any of the links that seem exciting to you. If you are looking for a coach or a consultant to help you with your social impact or your sustainability, reach out to me via my website, hop on my email list, or jump into one of my programs. All of the links are below. So excited to have you as part of the collective. Make sure that you come back and join us for another episode next week. Thank you.